the glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're homebrew back. So I have Eric with me here today. Uh, I'm your host, Casey, and joining me is Eric. Uh, and what are we going to talk about th- this week? I think, you know, you last week you had kind of talked about like what craft beer was like in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just almost a full month into 2017. So I, I think we should do like a outlook for 2017, the current state of craft beer and uh, go from there. I like it. Yeah. We're both pouring up a beer, and it's not even 11 a.m. I don't know what you're talking about. It is totally 11 a.m. somewhere. Here's a subject. Canned Imperial Stouts. <laughs> oh, is that Rum King? Yeah. Nice. Uh, 10.5% stout, and I already had a, a, like a half a bottle of Brandy Abyss. So. Um, my Game stout doesn't have an ABP on it. 9.5. It is? Yes, sir. Ooh, that looks good in the glass. So, yeah, uh, I think we can kind of just roll right into the fact that we have more breweries in the United States uh, more than ever by, like, almost double mm-hmm. at its highest point. Like, it's 5,500, I guess, or right around there. That's insane. That is that is ridiculous. Like, that is a stupid number of breweries. There's even a brewery in my hometown now. <laughs> Wild mind. So, it's just... Oh, yeah. It blows my mind that, like... I can just bike a mile and have a brewery and bike another two miles and be at another brewery. Well, we have another one opening up in River Falls next month. Swinging Bridge. Swinging Bridge. That's cool. I like the co-op model. I like the logo. I like everything I've seen from them. I just hope the beer is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, and judging by what we had last week, it will be. Good. Yeah, I, like, I still need to go watch that. <laughs> that that IPA, or I can't remember if it was a, a pale ale or an IPA. I don't know. It very good uh very juicy it was very impressed Ooh. well that, there's a topic uh i think in 2017 the style everyone's trying to get on board with is the new england ipa or the hazy ipa mm-hmm. it seems like every brewery and their mother is trying to do it and to be honest here in the midwest there aren't a lot of them hitting it out of the gate no, and there's not a lot of them even attempting it. A lot of it well, is still that, um, you know, that normal IPA that you get the central. Yeah. The I Minnesota Malt Bomb? Yep. Well, for example, Fulton's got one on called Grog. Um, Bent Paddle just released their Oatmeal Hazy IPA. Um, Sisyphus just released one to Distro, their first bottle they ever distroed, and it's absolutely terrible. I have a video coming out. Um later this week on that one uh and then there's a couple other breweries trying it so i think people are trying it it's just it amazes me that professional brewers can't read a little bit up on water chemistry and pitching rates and the finickiness of the nature of the well i think I, I don't know if it's them not uh like not doing their read-ups or not but i think it's more that they're so set in what they what they know how to do that going outside of that box is like it's just a little off for them. Totally, I think they're just malt forward brewers, most of them, and they like the traditional high bittering at sixty, a little bit of flavor at thirty, and maybe a small pitch at five, and they're done. Yeah, they don't they don't want to shift the focus and test the extremes of brewing, if you will. Um, to try to create a product that clearly will sell. 
Yeah, they just they it don't just want my mind. extra step. No, it, it's really weird. I mean, and, Treehouse sells a thousand cases of beer in a day sometimes. In a day. At four yeah. four fifty a can. Yeah, but I mean with the same stroke, we don't need four tree houses. No, we don't. But a Midwest treehouse would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh it's an interesting thing kind of I feel like that's what everyone else is doing now and everyone's also jumping into like the mixed culture fermentation. Uh wild ales or sour beer, I feel like is kind of it was kind of like this in 2016 with like little yeah, with size lips bumps in there. And I feel like a lot more of that is going to be on the rise in 2017 because they can make a lot of money on sours. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and it's, it's one of those, it's kind of set and forget for the most part, uh, depending on what kind right. of sour. A lot of time in or photos. Yep. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I feel like everyone also is getting into barrel aging. That's a thing. Um, releasing barrel aged beers. That was kind of on the up and up last year too. But I feel like everyone's got a barrel aged beer now. Yeah, no, barrel age is the thing. If you don't have a barrel aged beer right now, you're you're missing out. And even uh, like we were talking with Mike O'Hara last week, and he's opening up Swing Bridge, and they already have plans for barrel aged uh, stouts and uh, sours. Like they're and they have like the juicy IPA. So like they're they're on that cutting edge, like following that curve. But I don't know right. if that's a good think- or a bad thing. I think it's like, you know, Barrel Theory is going to be opening up here any minute and their focus is on barrel-aged stouts, mixed culture fermentation, barrel beers, um, and juicy IPAs. I feel like those are selling now, but what's the next big thing? Like, you know, remember um, when like West Coast IPAs? I've been holding IPA for, uh, for Session IPAs to become the next big thing for a while or like yeah. English bitters. Like. <laughs> yeah, well, you need to just move to London. <laughs> well, no, shit just needs to be sessionable again. Oh. Yeah, indeed. Oh, I know I'm a terrible human being. I also <laughs> think, though, too, you, you know, talking about the, the craft beer bubble and how big everything is and how many breweries there are. I mean, how many breweries are slated to open this year? It's insane. And you look at it and there are so many people, I feel like, who don't have professional brewing experience. Maybe mm-hmm. they they brewed 10 gallon batches on homebrew on a homebrew system, but they've never set foot in a commercial brewery. Um, so it really, really worries me for how many people are just, you know, jumping into the game and then figuring it out later. Yeah. You know, they don't have anything dialed in. They, they may have recipes, but homebrew recipes and a scaled up commercial recipe is a completely different ballgame. Even on like a one barrel system, three barrel system, it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of scary. Yeah, no, you're looking at a uh, very different, uh, like, uh, problems uh, than like on a larger totally. system than you are with a. With I mean, you can kind of take away like mash temps and sparge temps and volumes can all be you know controlled by an iPhone mm-hmm. or an Android phone for that matter. So that I think is taken out of the equation. So you really have to be a good brewer then. You really have to know how to use water um, and treat water, and you really have to know your grains in and out. Um, Yeast is expensive, so have a house yeast on on hand. Yeah, I think right. a lot of breweries just pitch all these different yeast strains, and it gets convoluted and lost, if you will. They don't know how to use 
you can make a lot of styles with an English ale yeast, man. Yeah. It's a very versatile style of yeast. So I'm excited for Swinging Bridge, though. That that sounds awesome. And I'm excited for Barrel Theory. Those are, like, definitely probably my two most hyped breweries of the year. Yeah, but, like, just the amount of new breweries opening, it's... I mean, it's awesome, but at the same time, it's a little terrifying because there's no way in hell if they're all going to make good beer. Like, that's just or, not possible. Or how are they all going to stay in business? Right. You know, I feel like a lot of people nowadays, the cool thing to do is to go to a brewery and drink beer at the tap room. It's not about buying it on the shelves anymore and drinking at home with friends. It's what tap room can we go to? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, we don't, like, I don't really go to bars anymore. It's always tap rooms. Yeah. What's the point of going to a bar? Most bars have garbage on draft anyways. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Do, do you think um, Do you think a lot of um, your listeners who were initially very intrigued by Homebrew Bound have similar feelings? Like, you know your demographic a little bit more than mine. Yeah, Mine's more um, of a hardcore beer geek. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, I'm I'm a little bit more on your end of the hardcore beer geek, and I know we have some of those listeners, but I do feel like we have a fair number that are still in that, um, man, for lack of a better word, the honeymoon phase of sure. breweries. Uh, so like the entry level, like maybe drank a Summit EPA and tried a local IPA type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, not, you know, like I had a good conversation with a, a friend who works at Surly and we're talking about how you and I are like the one to 3% of the beer market. Mm -hmm. So there's another 97% that they have to appease to the mass consumers. And I think we're like breweries, like swinging bridge and barrel theory. You're going to have to realize that yes, you can brew all those, you know, high intense in your face, stylistic beers, but you've got to have like a Pilsner or a take on a Pilsner or a take on like a very approachable pale ale. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still good. It still separates itself from, you know, any other brewery. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and I think I think a lot of them realize that the, you always find like a Blondale or something of that, like or a Pilsner or something on tap at all these breweries because they they go for like they like they're the, easy. The they're that, approachable. Yeah, they're approachable beers. Yeah. I know, I know Barrel Theory, um, talking with the lead brewer, he is going to have a Blondale on in the summer, and he's probably going to dry hop the shit out of it with different hops, you know? So you can still have a Blondale and then incorporate, you know, very unique components of other beers into such a basic beer. Well, and uh, I know Mike O'Hara from Swinging Bridge, and I keep bringing him up because it's we just had the interview, and so it's the new oh, man. It's, I get it's, it. It's the new, like. Uh, but anyway, so with his, uh, he's doing. Uh, he wants to do uh, a bunch of Berliners with uh, like the fruit syrups and stuff. So you get like almost like a beer soda, and sure. I think that'll appeal to uh, a much broader audience than the next IPA. Totally. That's it's funny. We're both contrasting like our hyped breweries. Timmy's um, Berliner Vices. I think you've seen a couple of them. You may have had a couple of them. Mm-hmm. The, key, the Key Lime Berliner, and he does the Dragon Fruit Passion Fruit. Um, he's he's actually going like like the um, we'll call it Florida Vice, where they use all the fresh fruits and purees. Yep. Okay, and yeah. Fruit. He's going that route, and Mike sounds like he's going more the traditional Berliner route. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I think if you go and have a new Glarus Bear Leonard Vice, how traditional that beer is. It's champagne, it's spritzy. 
and then go have like a JW Wakefield Berliner Weiss and have just yeah. that fruit bomb. It's a really cool compare and contrast, I think. So that'll be interesting to have like actual Berliner Weiss with like servable syrups on the side. Titletown Brewing does that. You can order their Berliner almost all day and get a raspberry or a Woodruff syrup. Oh, that's awesome. Down in Green Bay. Yeah. And they're pretty good. Well, the nice thing about Berliners is the ABV on them is you're looking at like 3%. Yeah, 4% max. Yeah, which is really nice, especially when you walk into a tap room and the trend lately has been everything's over, you know, 6 7%. You don't see yep. anything, uh, even in that 5 range, which used to be the norm. It, that's yep. not there anymore. Agreed. And it, it makes it really tough to have a few and sample the profile. Um, I think there's so many things you can do in the five to or four and a half to six percent alcohol range, but so many breweries know that people like to get drunk, <laughs> so <laughs> they make a nine nine point five percent double IPA, which is completely unnecessary. Oh, a hundred percent unnecessary. It's you not know? anything that we need at all. Seven to eight point two is like my sweet spot for a double. Carlos had a ten percent double IPA last night at uh, Barley John's. Unnecessary, and it was the was only beer he was able to have. It was, was it awful. Uh, it was it was sweet. It was so sweet. See, that's the problem when you brew these like hoppy to you know try to be, you know, on that new new curve. A lot of breweries are malt forward, so they end up huge. So mm-hmm. Look at abrasive nine point three. Yeah, come on, dude. You don't need it. It's you can have one can and you're blitzed. <laughs> Like, we need more. I'm preaching. And in 2016, seriously, or 17, I wish, yeah, like you were saying, session beers, I would love to have more like like a 45 to 5.2% pale ale that drinks like a 7% IPA. Yeah. Somebody can we, do it. We need sessionability. But yeah. I, I don't know. I've been preaching sessionability for years. Yeah, we've been doing it since the beginning of time, it feels like. Yeah. And... I think it keeps feeling like we're the only people who care about sessionability. Everybody else is like, ah, regionally, just- I think, regionally, I think there are breweries out there who are doing it. Um, they just don't happen to be the breweries that are on your like top 100 breweries. Yeah. You know, like stone is never making a beer under six and a half percent ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know? well, yeah. And that's not the brewery for it. Like stone is always, has always been about big and bold. Yeah. And they're not really anymore. No, well now, now the well they haven't innovated in the past few years, and all these other breweries have taken what they've what they've done and built upon it and changed it. And totally. Did you see that new chocolate uh, coffee enjoy by IPA? No, I there's a six pack of it, um, and it's for, like enjoy by two fourteen seventeen. So it's like a play on Valentine's Day and chocolate and coffee and an IPA. Okay. I went to pick it up last night, and it was fourteen ninety nine a sixer. I was like, nope. Yeah, I'm like, not. I'm not. But you're not sure you're gonna like. How about a bomber? Yeah, a six and a half dollar bomber. The entry level price of admission for so many of these breweries too is just too expensive to invest in a full six pack when you want to try all these different things. So that's why you just go to tap rooms, like we said earlier. <laughs> yep, tap rooms get a get a flight and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, oh, did you see that? That's huge. We can talk about that. Um, yeah. I believe the the first step in getting Sunday liquor sales in Minnesota 
um, has happened. They voted like 15 to oh, three really? or 15 to four. Yes. That's awesome. So I think it goes to the Senate next. Excuse my inability to understand the political <laughs> way of things. Local but it's, it's, it's not for sure yet, but it sounds like this will be the year that we'll are able to go buy beer on Sundays at the liquor That'll store. That'll be awesome. Uh, I, so, know, I know. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I have municipal liquor stores, so maybe those ones won't fall maybe they'll still be able to create their own hours and not be open on Sundays. But um, yeah, it'll be well, cool. I mean, they can all create their own hours and not be open on Sunday. True. Like they just aren't legally mandated to be closed on Sunday, which is the big thing. If they want to be open, let them be open. I say, just let it happen, dude. Even if you have limited hours, like nine to three, you know, with yep. football Sunday, I would love to go get a local sixer. And 90% yeah. of times I just have to plan ahead and that's stupid. <laughs> right? I don't want to plan ahead. My no. plans change, damn it. I got to plan ahead for a lot of things in life. So beer shouldn't be one of them. Exactly. Uh, I know uh, Ben Bristilli is trying to get uh, the ability to sell liquor out of their tap room. That's an interesting feat. I don't know if that'll ever happen. Sorry. I just... Well, they they make their own. And so like that's their that's their thing is they want to Are be you able to sell. Text? Come through. I uh, did not know. Good, good. Okay. Uh, their thing is, we make we make booze and we make beer. We want to be able to sell them both in the tap room. We don't want to, you know, not bring in outside liquor, but at least sell our own. Which yeah, that that sense. is an interesting idea. I kind of like it. Um, I haven't had much of their stuff. I really like their gin. The Ghost Gunner gin is very good. Yeah, I have had that, and I thought it was awesome. But yeah, I, don't know. I haven't, that's I haven't cool. either that's because, uh, well, that, that's the other thing in order to like, you can't just go into their tap room and taste any of their spirits because they can't serve them there. And that's so stupid. that hinders them because, you know, otherwise you're looking at a how $40 they, investment. Yeah. How are they di- any different than like Tattersall distillery? Because or they also, some of those they, other- well, they had to choose beer or liquor in their tap. Room. Uh, gotcha. And so they want to be able to do both. Yeah, that makes sense. And the states, the state thinks they're being greedy. I think they're being, you know, smart. <laughs> to have both of their, uh, you know, both of their products on tap. Well, it comes about money. It's all about politics and money. Yeah, but they would be making more money. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. That's true. It kind of gets into that whole like medical marijuana. Thing. Yeah. Like why isn't why isn't that a thing? You can make so much money off of it. So why? So I, I looked up the number of breweries in the U.S. Yeah. the The last hard number I can find is 2013. No, I can't hear. I just saw an article. I mean, I I have an article from 2015 that says it passed 4,000, but there's no hard numbers in here. I just saw an article about. Um, that we're at like five one four five two or something. I'm on the Brewers Association. Um, okay. Yeah, see. you're right. There. Why isn't the 2005 numbers out? Uh, it's I definitely over five thousand. I saw something about it. Yeah. Here, you know, here's just, the January 18, 2016. Yeah, I got. Oh, I got 2015. Uh, uh four thousand two hundred sixty-nine at the beginning of 2015. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, compared to, to looks like, I mean, our all-time low is zero. 
Uh, right, prohibition. Yep. But okay, uh, here's here's a link from December 10th. America from Fortune magazine now has a record high 5,000 breweries and counting. 5,005. Okay. Uh, hey, that surpasses our previous uh, record, which was 1873, where we had uh, 4,100. That's a lot. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, so 1893, what are they brewing? For 4,100 brewers. Uh, 1873. Yes. Fucking well, they're macro brewing, lagers. Well, no, they're brewing uh, their local beers for the for like the their the town. That's a the that's pub. a thought. Could you imagine going back in the time and trying like an 1873 London ale? <laughs> right? Cuz I'm sure they're I'm sure 90% of them is like English derived or, you mm-hmm. know, derived from European brewing tradition, so pilsners and That's cool though. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, oh, we've come a long way. A lot of German and English beers. Mm-hmm. All of that writing. With that. Man, we need to go back to the good old. <laughs> I don't know. I um, I guess kind of transitioning. I don't know about you. So we have all these different breweries. And I don't know about you. I think it is nauseating and overwhelming to go to a liquor store sometimes. Because they're the, the just the sheer amount of choice if you don't really know what you're looking for can be like up lost and you end up taking a chance. And most times I feel like the chance is a loss on your wallet. Yeah. I hate it when you, when you're trying to find a new beer, you're like, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to get something new. Actually, we do it every, every Saturday or every Sunday for the department of offense. I know you do. And I try to find something new to try that we haven't had. And now you're a dog that has graduated. <laughs> I'm changing things up. I'm going to pirate mode because I'm drinking rum king. Why am I a dog? <laughs> Squad's lit. As you were. Anyway, so uh, looking at I forgot. Oh yeah. So, but there's there's a lot of times, and you can you can hear our record of it uh, where we get a bomber of something and we're pretty excited about it, and we crack it open and we start tasting it. We're like, oh, this is garbage. Why? Why is this yeah. on the shelf? And then we find out, oh, this has this has been sitting around for ten months, and it's an IPA. And I think in a small town, you guys, I feel like you're more predestined to have that sort of thing happen in River Falls area, if you shop strictly in River Falls. I yeah. feel like when you make it into Hudson and you make it into Woodbury area for shopping, the more closer you are to the major metro, the more likely that doesn't happen. I know Divine is criminal when it comes, and I'm oh, not bad helping them. They're criminal for leaving Old Topple and Goliath. Or, that stuff just sits there. There's too much there. Yeah. That is a perfect example of a liquor store that is overwhelming AF. Agreed. And then, you know, you have to worry about, you know, <laughs> product freshness. And do they fridge their IPAs? That's all sorts of things that, like, when I'm going to a liquor store, if there's an IPA sitting on the shelf, I'm not buying it straight up. Oh, no? No. no. I, I, was, I always check bottle date. Yeah. Uh, I, I check bottle date. And then, because, uh, like, I'm surprised, uh, like, Casanova gets so much TG that they, they can't refrigerate it. Nope. That place needs an expansion, and, by the way. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, it does. Or just you go down on some of their other stuff that doesn't sell, but that's just me. Yeah. But TG like, doesn't even move there as much anymore because it's in Minnesota now everywhere. I can get everything yeah. you can get there for the most part. I can get down the street. Yeah. No. Yeah. TG is like, it used to be one of those things where they'd sell out, they sell out the, the few cases that they got immediately. And now yep. like, I'm like, Oh, they got this. I should probably stop, you know, sometime by Friday, but yeah, you, there's no rush. Mm-hmm. That's awesome though. I, yeah. And that's, I guess that's part of scaling up too. you know, look at Surly. For me, I remember the days when like a new Surly beer would drop and it would be canned hours ago. Yeah. And now I am fighting to get a week old Surly if I want it. There's a couple stores I know who rotate stock very, very consistently, but my local store up the road that I think you've been to, um, four of the six brands they had on the shelf were canned last year. That's ridiculous. Two of them were IPAs. One of them was their flagship Furious. Well, Furious is just everywhere now, and that beer yeah. is, I don't know, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> Overrated. Yep. Cynic. What's the other one? Bender. Seriously, there isn't a Surly beer I'd buy right now on the shelf. No? I would maybe get Fresh Todd the Axe, man, but that's it. Yeah, I can see. It's kind of where we're at. You got to be brand loyal and you got to know the the portfolios. So I don't even buy founders anymore. Like, I don't know. Being brand loyal is one of those things where it doesn't really help anything. Um, I don't know. I'm a big fan of. Yeah, but being style loyal is more my thing. Like, or at least if it's it's good beer, I don't care where it comes from. Just give me a good beer. Mm hmm. And that's why you go to Pitchfork as much as you do. Yeah, well, that is that, that's a little bit of brand loyalty there, uh, and you know that's what I'm saying though. It's it's convenient. Truth. Yeah, I think we're in a, a very um, ambiguous state of craft beer in 2017, and I, I do think there is a bubble. You may not, um, and I think it'll burst within the next two years. I've been saying that every year though. Yeah. But places oh, yeah, are closing. Places are closing. Yeah, are they? Yeah, there's a um, let me look up breweries who close in. <sighs> it seems like all there's that's happening is Minneapolis is like getting more, or like St. Paul, Minneapolis are getting more, getting more, getting more. I'm not seeing any shut up shop. So, so City Pages did an article last October, and they talked about the bubble in Minnesota. There's 120 um, breweries in Minnesota, so two thirds of them opened in 2011, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but there definitely have been some that have closed. Like, listen to this, Broken Clock Brewing. Who? Mm-hmm. I don't even know who half these people are. Yeah. And I don't know if I care to go. Is that bad? What? That you don't want to go? No. I, I mean, don't want to venture out. Going to new breweries is fun. But it's like also a bus tour, like, like you did. Yeah. It's also a lot of work, though, because you have to go and you have to get there and then you have to drink beer, but not so much that you're not able to drive home. And Right. It becomes and that fine not line. Good, you made the trip for nothing. Yeah, that's that's more than often. I when I would say back in like 2013, 14, um, when things like 612 and all those had opened and indeed I was trying all the new new breweries well, yeah, I mean, when it was and then I got to know, a point where I'm just like I'm done when it was you know when it was under 10 new breweries a year it was easier to keep up 
you know, mm-hmm. you go to one a month or whatever. But now there's three or four opening up every week, it feels like. So many have been just so disappointing that I'm just done. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm curious to what your listeners um, think. Yeah, I would love the to, whole topic because it is overwhelming. The whole topic is overwhelming. Weigh in on this. Yeah, I think that'd be a very yeah. So yeah, if you guys if you guys want to weigh in on us, either comment uh, below on this video or shoot us in message on Facebook or something. And yeah, we should uh, we can we can talk a little bit about it next time. And then uh, you know, by the way, this the is show, completely ad lib. We just like did this. <laughs> we had zero schedule goal. We're like, oh shit, thoughts. we need to record. Yep, and I don't know. It definitely had all different tangents and directions, but at the same token, um, I think the next time we should talk about the beer black market again. Oh yeah, it is we haven't a, talked about it that. It has evolved significantly. It's disgusting. Oh really? Oh God. Definitely have to talk about that then. All right. So yeah, uh, in two weeks we'll be talking about the beer black market. So make sure you tune in for that, and uh, you can yeah. learn all about the seedy underside of craft beer. Oh, it's bad. We'll get you a uh, we'll get you like a little face filter and a voice modulator. I'm enjoying the pirate. <laughs> I hope people enjoy the pirate as much as I am. I mean, I'm drinking rum king for God's sakes. So I have to have a pirate. All right. So Eric, uh, oh. why don't you plug your channel real quick before we head out and. Oh, yeah. So if you guys are interested in checking out, I guess we'll call them craft beer reviews. Um, A lot of them are not obtainable in your local liquor stores. But tune in if you like um, to see some of the new new coming up. Blackboard beer reviews on YouTube. Uh, You can just type in Eric Wood beer reviews as well. Um, I try to shoot one to two videos a week, sometimes more, sometimes less. It just depends what's in my fridge and how motivated I am to drink and record. <laughs> and going forward, they will all uh, feature Pirate Eric? Uh, if I, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do that the way I record. Um, if I did like a live review, if I, I, that's something I've debated doing is like live reviews, like do a scheduled live hangout beer review mm-hmm. and try to like plan the beer that everyone can like come and drink along with me. I've debated doing that, and then I could pirate it. <laughs> that would be cool. All right. Well, I, uh, I think that pretty much brings us to the end here. Um, so, yeah. Yes, sir. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll see you guys next week. Here.